President Carter has arrived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a brief... Go to America, go to He will fall in fire. Those cables, man. I think cable history is exciting. And personally, I believe this is such a wonderful industry. Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Stories from the Head End, the Cable Center's podcast series featuring the industry's visionaries and leaders sharing their unique insights and experiences. I'm Diane Christman, Senior Vice President and Chief Program Officer. This season, we're exploring the many facets of innovation within the cable broadband industry. We're presenting brand new content as well as segments curated from the collections of the Cable Center's Barco Library and the Hauser Oral and Video History Project. Today's episode, Cable's Gift to Democracy. In 1979, the American cable industry created C-SPAN, which began by telecasting live gavel-to-gavel coverage of the U.S. House of Representatives without external commentary or any industry involvement in editorial decision-making. Forty years later, C-SPAN is a national treasure and globally recognized brand, with three networks, original content, an FM radio station also available as a mobile app, and a video-rich website offering live coverage of government events and access to the vast and valuable archive of C-SPAN programming. It continues to stay firmly objective and independent from the industry in its editorial approach. C-SPAN is also a successful innovator. In this episode, journalist and industry analyst Stuart Schley talks with several key C-SPAN staffers. Co-CEO Susan Swain, Washington Journal host and managing producer Greta Bronner, senior executive producer, political editor, and Washington Journal host Steve Scully, vice president of digital Richard Weinstein, and vice president of marketing Marty Dominguez. They discuss how C-SPAN has evolved and grown over the years, staying fresh and creative in today's volatile media ecosystem, while also remaining true to its original vision. Greetings. Thank you for pressing play on the Cable Center's podcast series, Stories from the Head End. I'm Stuart Schley from Denver, and I'm joined today by the co-presidents and CEOs of C-SPAN, Susan Swain and Rob Kennedy from their Washington, D.C. studios, i.e. conference room. Pleasure to have you guys, and I look forward to talking to you for a few minutes about issues surrounding innovation and ideation and um, advancing the cause for really one of the crown jewels of the cable industry, which is which is C-SPAN. So, Swain, I'm going to start by saying I met you in 1984. It was at the Democratic National Convention in San Francisco. Walter Mondale was the candidate. And it was sort of a coming out party for C-SPAN because the uh, primary television news networks had stopped doing gavel-to-gavel coverage, and that left this beautiful place for you guys to enter. My point in that is, A, it was good to meet you, and B, um, it seems like 40 years or so has gone by in a flash. And so now we're at middle age, right, for, for C-SPAN. And I want to talk to you guys, and Susan, I'll start with you Um how do you go about the task of continuing to bring sort of a sense of vitality and creation and innovation to an organization that's been around for a while? What, what concepts do you bring to that charge? Well, it's actually gotten easier because C-SPAN has something which it didn't have in the early days and that's competition. Hmm. So there's nothing like um, 
the potential of extinction that'll keep your engine running. Uh, and also people who are in your business and have a whole lot more money and resources to spend. And we find ourselves in that situation daily and increasingly in these years. And uh, I will tell you, it focuses your attention on getting the job done as, as best you can. So we're blessed by that. I think it's easier for us to work in an environment where we have competition than in the early days when we were working to keep the lights on here for a long time, but, but also we were the only ones doing what we were doing. So everything we did was innovative. Now we really have to say, how can we do that better? Because there are other people in, in the game of long form political coverage. And uh, so it's not hard, really. It's, uh, we, we feel every day the need to, to be on our game here. And that keeps us spry. Rob Kennedy, there's this notion that people talk about the, about the difference between working in your business, day-to-day immersion, and there's a lot going on at C-SPAN all the time, and working on your business, which is sort of thinking about conceptually where you're taking the, the business and the organization. Um, how do you make time and how do you um, pursue the task that we just talked about of, of trying to keep the ideation alive? Well, it's very, it's very important. It's probably one of the most important things that Susan and I work on is keeping an eye on what the competition is doing and making time to, to think about how we can uh, react to that and reflect that in what we do at C-SPAN. So to answer the question, you have to carve out the time. And in that time, think about with the new tools that are out there, the things that the other networks and the competitors are doing, how can we incorporate that in what we do and still be true to our mission? And that, that's really the key is taking those tools, whether it's things like online video or Mm -hmm. social media or the other things that come along and keep true to the mission in how we employ those. So Stuart, we're using the C-SPAN's 40th anniversary as an opportunity to work company-wide and even with our board of directors to ask the questions, uh, where does C-SPAN need to be in three years and Mm -hmm. are we tooled to get there with our current resources. And it's been a really stimulating exercise. Every individual department in the company uh, has been working on this with internal working groups, we've done focus groups, and we've done surveys with our consumers. And then we're also gonna be engaging the board in our annual board meeting on this topic because we wanna make sure we preserve the franchise and Mm -hmm. do it in a way that's meaningful for our customers. Well, you know, preserving the franchise is interesting because the the entire idea of C-SPAN is audacious, right? A a young man from Lafayette, Indiana, decides one day we should put the U.S. House of Representatives on television. You know, I I mean, I don't know. He could have been laughed out of every room, but here we are. You've got this amazing uh, creation. And and like I said, one of the cable industry's greatest creations. But how are you grappling with... um, continuing to, you said, preserve the franchise, um, uphold the the core business model in a world where video distribution has changed a lot and some of the core precepts that you guys have always used to, even to fund the organization, I think are, are challenged in some respects. Well, there are definitely challenges and we have the benefit of, as Susan alluded to, a great board of directors mm-hmm. and great great support from the cable industry that started in 1979 with that audacious idea to put the House of Representatives on television. And over the 40 years, as we've expanded that mission to include the Senate, 
congressional hearings, all the other public affairs programming that we do, we've had great buy-in and support from the board and the cable industry. And they've really become our key advisors on how to navigate the changes going forward, how to, how to build the product and build the brand and come up with new distribution avenues that reflect what's going on in society and media consumption. And just one example of that is our, our video library, which is our website at cspan.org, where we have well over 200,000 hours of content, which is everything C-SPAN's recorded since 1987. That's all available online, uh, free. It's part of our public service, and we've built a lot of social media tools around that. And that's all been worked out in consultation with, with the board as one way to build the value of C-SPAN in this new environment. It's interesting that you talk about the board. What is it about the cable industry that lives on today that gives it sort of this entrepreneurial spark or, or continues to uh, kind of build around an, a sense of entrepreneurism? Does every industry have this or is cable somewhat unique, would you say? Well, that, that, that's an interesting question. We see it, of course, from inside our industry and the great entrepreneurs that built the industry and the successive generations that had to innovate to keep the industry uh, competitive, whether it's adding new products like high-speed data, expanding video offerings. So we get to see that uh, firsthand from our seat when we're in our, our board of directors meetings. And we should explain that our board of directors is uh, essentially the CEOs of the largest cable companies, as well as other CEOs from, right. from different parts of the industry. And they, their creativity, their innovation, and their support over the years uh, has been tremendous. And we can look back at periods of time when certain board members uh, stepped up and said, for example, it's, it's time to buy a radio station or it's time to add a third network, for that matter, even time to add a second network back in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. So as the industry has innovated, they have forced us to uh, innovate with them and, and stay competitive. And in a macro sense, if we're telling you we're feeling competition at every corner, they certainly yes. are. Yes. Right. And, um, right. I, 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 I know when we get to hear some of their conversations at our board meetings that that um, they uh, feel the need to keep pace with uh, the, the Netflix and Apple TVs and make sure that that uh, they're bringing product to the customers in a way that customers are increasingly demanding. And so, you know, one of the great things to look at is the is cable apps and mm -hmm. and how as you know coming together as an industry they really help to foster technological innovation uh, to keep pace with uh, consumer demand so it, it has remained an entrepreneurial industry but it's also had to susan you sit on the board of directors of discovery communications so so you see from a couple of different vantage points the the pressures and the opportunities that you know confront the video industry today I'm always interested to know that that every time you can, you use the credo created by cable, right, to describe what what C-SPAN is, and it's all over your your website and your branding materials. Um, do you feel like going forward, you have the flexibility if you choose to stray from cable as a distribution avenue um, and to pursue? I mean, you can't really do a direct to consumer model because it it compromises the funding um, principles of C-SPAN. But can you talk a little bit about how you can play in this, you just said it, this world of Apple TV and Netflix and this expanding array of choice. Well, your question is really timely because it's all wrapped up in our own internal discussions about uh, we've been trying 
for the past four to five years to be everywhere that our customers are looking for political information. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has led us to have a really robust website with video clipping that is used everywhere from journalists on television uh, to Rachel Maddow uses it extensively to individuals who share it on their Facebook feeds. So that's been a really important part of staying where customers are. And we also have a really robust social media feed of our own on both Facebook uh, and Twitter and uh, some videos on YouTube. Um, But you are right that we have both the blessing and the challenges of uh, our cable umbrella. It should be important to note that a good deal of our funding has come from other than cable for a long time. Okay. But we continued to use that created by cable message because, in fact, it wouldn't be here if the cable industry hadn't said, yes, we'll go forward with this and funded it along the way. But really, since the advent of, uh, of satellite t- to home, there's been a major source of our funding that's come from satellite and then also uh, AT&T, major customer. So we, we do get our our bread and butter funding from other sources than cable, but you can't take the created by cable away from it. Okay, fair enough. And, and just following up on the social media reference, we're uh, living, I think, maybe unfortunately, in this area era of real short attention spans and 140 and 280 character takes on these, you know, large issues that confront society today. But how does C-SPAN live within that environment? And do you see that there's uh, an an interesting dichotomy perhaps between your, you know, plant a camera in the back of the room approach and sort of the shrillness of media discourse today? Well, I'll start and Rob can respond. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We just came literally before we sat down here from a report on a series of six focus groups that we had with consumers in the East Coast and out in Arizona. And we heard that dichotomy from the people around those tables who mm-hmm. said, we, we know where C-SPAN's niche is and we appreciate it. But at the same time, our lives are busy. So what we have tried to do, what's really been instrumental, and this goes to your interest in management, very early on, the group of people that founded this place wrote a mission statement for C-SPAN, which is still relevant to us today. So every bit of innovation that we do rolls up into that mission statement. We test it against the mission statement. And our presence on social media is very much like that. We send out minute and a half clips, 45 second clips, but they, they, everyone who creates them here understands that they can't disrespect the institutions of government. Uh, and mm-hmm. they also have to be reflective of the person's point of view. And we try for balance. So uh, we are still being C-SPAN within this new medium. And we always link back when we do that to the original event. Mm-hmm. So we we produce the clips or we let people produce their own clips at our website, but that's from the full event as it appeared on C-SPAN. So the message is, yes, we're going to put out some things a little bit shorter to highlight something that happened, but not at the expense of making that full event available back on our website or as it aired on television. You guys are... You know, the library... The library becomes the saving grace for the mission. Right. I think that's well stated, and I think we all appreciate that as viewers. You guys are our C-SPAN kids from early on, and it's been a, a magnificent run. I just want to close by asking you to identify, it doesn't have to be a, a grandiose statement, but what's been fun about what you do, Rob? I'll, I'll start with you. What, what Beyond the paycheck, you know, what, what drives you in terms of your life mission? 
great, we have great people at C-SPAN. We have a great mission. Uh, it's obviously a great partnership with Susan. We've been doing this in one form or another with different titles for a, a long, long time. time. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> yeah. We have a, a fantastic and complimentary partnership. But And beyond that, we just have a great staff of, of dedicated people here that are, are fun to work with every day. And I would say that for uh, this reflects me, and I, I think I can speak for Rob, but almost everyone who has been here a long time, we have the enormous privilege of being in the middle of all the significant events that goes on that go on in the world, well, especially in Washington, and the uh, responsibility of being able to help people understand those. And at the same time, you know, we have a white hat. We can go home at night and feel good about what we mm -hmm. do. Uh, we haven't had to make compromises editorially. Uh, we haven't had uh, you know, sponsors online that we are on air that we feel uncomfortable about. We really have, he called it a, a crown jewel, but we, we have this really special spot in journalism that an awful lot of journalists envy, I think. And uh, I think we feel that privilege all the time. Yeah, I, I bet it's pretty palpable on a day-to-day -to -day basis. We're going to continue this conversation with some of your colleagues, but I know you guys are busy, possibly even hungry. So I want to thank you for taking some time to join us on uh, Stories from the Head In. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. It's great to hear your voice again. We're speaking now with Greta Bronner, who's the host of Washington Journal on C-SPAN, very recognizable on-screen figure, but also the managing producer of the editorial operations from C for C-SPAN. Greta, uh, cool that you could make time in your day to pop in and talk to us. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. I wanted to talk about something as a journalist that's always been uh, of interest to me, and I think sort of behind the scenes maybe is underappreciated, but part of what makes for great television and news television or public affairs television is is making decisions about what you're going to cover, not necessarily producing, but deciding how you're going to allocate your production resources. How do you go about that task when the, when the day opens up before you, um, where do you send crews and what do you, what do you decide to put on your ledger for the day? Yeah. And those decisions really start the day before we have a team of people that get together midday and we look at a range of events, sometimes, you know, up to a dozen and we decide as a team what we want to cover with, somewhat limited sources. I mean, we can't cover everything that's happening in Washington. So there's three ways that we go about it. The first is looking at an event. Are the decision makers at this event? Okay. Are there lawmakers who serve on a relevant committee? So in that is the big, I think a, a key uh, part of, of our decision. And the second is what topics are they talking about? Are okay. they relevant? Are they in the news cycle? Or are they going to educate people about a policy debate that's happening here in Washington that maybe is not in the news cycle, mm -hmm. but is, you know, news you can use back home. It's informative. It's educational. Um, and the third way we look at what we're going to cover is the balance question. Yeah. Have we covered this topic a lot from one side and how can we get the other side covered? So those are the three sort of factors that we look at and we talk about as a team and then decide how we're going to split up the resources. I, I've always wondered this from afar. Do you, do you feel that you're in competition with other news organizations at C-SPAN or are you in sort of a rarefied air that's unto itself? How do you look at the competitive uh, dynamics of your world? 
think, I mean, yes, we're, we're of course um, competing for eyeballs out there because mm-hmm. people can only watch, you know, so much television, but what makes us different and what people choose to, and why they choose to turn to us is that we're going to cover the entire event. We're going to cover the entire hearing with, you know, FBI director James Comey mm-hmm. or other high profile people. And we're not going to talk over the top of those hearings or those interviews that are happening. And so people want that unfiltered access mm-hmm. to what's happening in Washington, D.C. They want to watch and listen for themselves. I wanted to talk, Greta, about a uh, journal, Washington Journal it, itself. Um, it, it's really a signature uh, program for C-SPAN. What, for you, as, as, as host and taker of calls, what's special about that, that show? What do you sort of take away from it when you set down the, the microphone and the headphones after, a, after an airing of Washington Journal? It's the conversation that mm-hmm. we have with with the viewers. It's the only place where um, you know a national audience where they can call in and they get to express their opinions about what the decision makers in this town are debating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're asking them to tell Washington how do you think these lawmakers and the president should respond to Saudi Arabia? Or how do you think, or do you think that the lawmakers should retain the Affordable Care Act? Or tell Washington how what they're doing is impacting you and how you operate your life. And and that is, I think, the beauty of the show. So the callers Mm -hmm. can not only, you know, say that to Washington, they can respond to each other. They can also call in and have access to the decision makers or the experts or the journalists that are covering the stories of the day. And they get to ask them questions or give their commentary. You know, a total side sideline uh, appeal is I love hearing people's voices, literally the sound of voices when you're not necessarily attaching them to a, to a face. I mean, is that cool to you? I mean, you get this diversity of expression throughout the country, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's wonderful to hear people's accents, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're sort of um, colloquialisms um, from their community. And I, I think that just, that really gives you a window into their perspective and perspective is reality, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and, and so, and, and sometimes, you know, I grew up in a small town, so I think that people don't always speak in the most eloquent way but that doesn't matter. What mm-hmm. you should be listening to is their perspective because that's how they're receiving. And I think people in Washington should be listening. More people in Washington should be listening yeah. to Russia because that's how they're perceiving what folks are doing out yep. here. I think one element, Greta, that, that bears uh, remarking on is that so much of the media content we consume today is typed. It's written. It's text. It's a tweet. It's a Facebook post. It's a a text article in the New York Times, but to hear a human being's voice adds a substance and resonance that I think is really kind of special. Yeah, absolutely. One one remarkable thing you do, I was looking at some on-demand uh, episodes recently, and very quickly, as someone has just called in, or maybe even in real time, I'm not sure, you just you do this remarkable text translation thing. What What's going on behind the scenes to make that magic happen? 
Say that again. Remarkable. Uh, text translation. So I can get a transcript or a, 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 a visual or typed out record of what a, what a caller is saying or has just said pretty quickly. And I'm just wondering how you pull off that feat. Oh, okay. Closed captioning, I think, is what you're referring to. Is it? Is and, it? Yeah. Is it automated? Is it done by machine, or how does that happen? Yeah, it, uh, it's done by people. It's okay. not automated. <laughs> wow. Closed captioning um, is 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 done by a, um, a company that that C-SPAN uh, pays to do this. I mean, it's a requirement by um, the FCC, I believe, yeah. that uh, you know you have to have closed captioning. Right. Um, I think it's a it's an FCC regulation, but the art of it is is uh, always sort of stunning to me that you can do it in almost real time. Greta, what is rewarding or fun about your work with C-SPAN? What do you what are you getting out of it from a sort of a personal standpoint? Learning something new every day, and the amount, the range of topics that we cover um, is is astounding and. I love that. You know, I, I get to learn about, you know, Russian history and politics yeah. uh, in, in one 45-minute segment just doing the journal or listening to an event. And then you, you will go on to the gig economy and learn about what new startups are happening and how people are being employed and how much money they're making in the labor forces that are out there and mm-hmm. regulation possibly that's needed um, and so that makes it absolutely fascinating and very rewarding. And also very challenging. I don't know how you make time to be prepared. Um, you must have sort of two brains and you sort of can multitask between them. But last question is, how, how do, what, is your, what is your routine for prep? Are you a voracious newspaper reader or how do you keep the sort of the pipeline full? I do, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone that um, reads a lot of the newspaper, but also consuming it all day long on Twitter. Yeah. On, on um, you know, I'm getting my news updates from Twitter. Um, of course, you have the news on, on in addition to C-SPAN as well, so that you're following it and consuming it all day long. The routine for the hosts in the morning is we're up at 3.30 in the morning or sometimes earlier, and we're in this office by nice. 4.30 and consuming and reading as much news as we can before we have a production meeting at six. And then we're live from seven to 10. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a whirlwind when you get in in the morning to make sure you've got the latest on anything that's happened. And then of course, you know, um, we have, we have a president that communicates right away in the morning via Twitter. So it's, you know, we have to keep track of that as, as well as the show goes on. Well, we're, as viewers, we're glad you have the energy and stamina to pull it off. So we hope that will continue apace. And I just want to thank you, Greta, for taking some time to talk to us. I know you're very busy, but uh, appreciate your comments. And uh, we'll uh, be discoursing with a few of your colleagues coming up. Thank you for the conversation. For sure. In the house and behind the microphone is Steve Scully, senior executive producer, political editor, and host of Washington Journal on C-SPAN, a very well-known C-SPAN figure and a very busy person. So, Steve, thanks for dropping in and taking a couple minutes to chat here. My great pleasure. Thank you. I want to dive right into a question about the the state of civilization, life, and politics, uh, which to me is a little bit dismaying right now. Uh, the campaign cycle never ends. We have candidates uh, throwing things at one another and yelling at each other, and we have this really troubling social discourse uh, that's occurring with uh, the help of some new media. 
alternatives that are out there. How do you deal with maintaining your sanity and maintaining your your vibe and culture and mission in a really um, difficult environment? You know, it's really not that hard because we always keep in the back of our mind, what is the C-SPAN mission? And what do we do that you're not going to get on the other cable channels? And so we try to focus on what we think is really important. We try to take a balanced approach at covering all of the candidates uh, in the campaign process. And I think all you have to do is look at the midterm election cycle Mm -hmm. and see what we did, which was uh, different from any other network. We brought in more than 160 debates in the most competitive House, Senate, and governor's races. And we gave our audience a chance to assess who these candidates are and really get a first look at some of the new uh, members of the House and the Senate on the campaign trail. And fast forward to where we are today, we've already been to Iowa and New Hampshire covering some of the candidates, Eric Swalwell and Tulsi Gabbard, and certainly Joe Biden travels to the early primary and caucus states. So you get a very early look at who the candidates are. And I mean, certainly Donald Trump is a big factor in our coverage, but he's not the only factor. And I think that we have to keep that in mind. There are other things happening besides what happens at the White House and what happens at the White House is important and we cover that as well. But I think having a balanced approach and and focusing on what we think we do best based on our mission. Is it hard to maintain that that sense of balance? Do you have to, you, Steve Scully, sort of constantly remind yourself every morning, hey, look, I need to go in uh, as a professional with no blinders on and do what I do, even though sometimes you're probably personally uh, affected, dismayed, or elated uh, by, by what's happening out there. Well, that's why John Oliver called me the most patient man on television. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I, um, yes, we all have strong opinions and trust me, uh, in my family, we debate politics as fierce and as intense as, as anyone else. But what, what I keep in mind is that the audience doesn't really care what Steve Scully thinks. Mm -hmm. The audience wants to see what's happening. And, If I am going to sit down with the president of the United States or a freshman member of Congress for an interview, I'm going to take the same approach. You want to get information from those people and you want to do it in a way that is respectful and fair, but tough uh, and insightful. And again, you look at all that we do here. um, We're not trying to set an agenda per se. We want to kind of focus on what's happening in the country Mm -hmm. and let our audience make up his or her own mind. And really, it's it's what Brian Lamb began 40 years ago. Uh, it's not about you. It's about the people we cover. And I think if you remember that from day one, uh, that really, I think, crystallizes what the mission is all about. Steve, I want to ask you from a standpoint of, of C-SPAN's brand and pedigree and, and really, if I may say, the fan base, are you where you want to be with uh, followers and audience and adherents, both for Journal and C-SPAN at large, or are there new avenues that y- you don't, you'd like to pursue? Well, I've got to pursue more Instagram, especially since mm-hmm. my kids all have Instagram, and uh, I, I don't have a lot of followers. Uh, I do have <laughs> a lot of followers on Twitter, uh, and I use tweets in my programming as well, and I think it's a terrific source of information. And I think I've maxed out on all the followers on Facebook. I think we have up to 5,000. <laughs> So I think we always have to look at what is the next big thing. Uh, Keep in mind that, you know, when when I first started at C-SPAN, we used to give VHS dubs to the guests so that they could watch their programming. Of course, now everything is digitized. Everything is online. Uh, 
the library that we have is phenomenal. I, I, I tell you, it's the one thing I get people who, who know that I work at C-SPAN comment more than anything else. Love the website. Love the video library. You offer something that nobody else uh, can provide. And in my world, in the political world, all you have to do is look at those ads and realize that uh, they're trolling through the C-SPAN video library right. and looking for those that they use in, in advertising. So um, we always can do a better job uh, because we have to stay ahead of the curve. Uh, mm-hmm. And I see it with my own kids and how they get their news and information and realizing that as a network, the mission has not changed, but how we convey the information or the video content, uh, we've got to make sure that we're constantly uh, looking for new avenues. But, and, and the thing is, I don't know what the next big thing is. I mean, what's the yeah. next big Instagram? Where, where is that? Is it Vine? Is it something else? Um, so we have to be aware of that um, and make sure that we stay ahead of the curve. And I think we've done a really, really good job. I, I saw this figure, um, and, and Peter kindly is here, maybe he can verify, but on smartphones and uh, tablets and uh, laptops, mm-hmm. during the confirmation hearing of Brett Kavanaugh, more than a million people we're watching on those mobile devices. That's incredible. I mean, that's really a remarkable number to think about because we have to make sure that we're going to where the audience is and the audience isn't just tethered to cable, but they're on other devices. I I think it's a great point. And when you think about screens and small screens in particular, um, does, does long form thoughtful content work over a smartphone screen? What are your, what are your thoughts about playing to sort of a different media outlet? Well, that's a good question. Uh, there are a couple of different things to consider. Uh, I do a podcast. It's called The Weekly, and we try to limit it to between 25 to 28 minutes because we think that's probably the best length of time if you want to take a deep dive on a topic or a guest or an issue. In terms of watching on a, on a tablet or a smartphone, if it is a compelling hearing mm-hmm. and if it's live, people will stay with it during the course of you know the morning and afternoon. But I do think that what we're also able to do is to give people a snippet, a minute or two or three minutes, to hear some of the things that really are important in that hearing. You can go to the website, you can watch that, and then if you want to watch the whole thing, you can do that as well, or chances are it's going to air on the network in the evening. Right, right. The, the, the way we reach the audience is moved well beyond what we just do on C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3. Well, you certainly see your... The short, the short answer is if it's live, people stay with it for many hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's one thing that we would do that nobody else would do. CNN, Fox, they'll cut away for a commercial or commentary, and, and we don't do that. Yeah, and you know, Steve, my feeling is once you're sort of immersed in content, you sort of forget you're watching on a small screen, to be honest. Whether You, you probably see this behavior with your, your kids or your family, but whether it's a congressional hearing or uh, the Netflix original that's out this week, once you're into it, you're into it, right? I think it does, it works. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, when I'm on the road and I travel and it's interesting and I've, I've, I've seen people watching on their phone C-SPAN programming hearings <laughs> or speeches, uh, in particular during the campaign, because we carried every single Donald Trump rally, the Make America Great rallies, mm-hmm. and people were really interested in it. And, and the other thing I should say about President Trump is that he has really um, – as people say, he's been good for business. He's good for the for the news business because he's generating a lot of news. Yep. And he's generating a lot of interest. And you may love him, you may dislike him, but regardless, uh, he is constantly 
generating headlines that uh, means hearings, that means speeches, that means discussion and debate and talk in this town. And I think that that's indicative of what we've seen on our website and, and no doubt that our viewership has gone up right. in the first two years presidency. Well, speaking of President Trump, he's in the news today, as always, and I know you and your team have a lot to cover today. So I just want to say thanks for sharing some of your thoughts uh, with the uh, Cable Center's podcast series. My great pleasure. Good luck to you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Welcome back to our conversation with C-SPAN. As the network evolves from a single channel linear television network to all sorts of media distribution outlets, uh, we get to talk about to the individual who's sort of behind it all. Richard Weinstein is vice president of digital for C-SPAN. And, and Richard, I wanted to start, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that C-SPAN was really pretty early to the game of entering the digital domain, uh, starting up an on-demand archive. Am I wrong about that? Or were you sort of leading edge for a while? Yeah, well, uh, thanks. <laughs> I, I would describe us as leading edge in many ways in that the whole sort of thought of creating an archive of C-SPAN programming. It actually started with a professor out at Purdue University, Dr. Robert Browning. Um, we we were closely with him with the concept that what was happening across the C-SPAN networks was a very important thing to save from archival and historical purposes. And as the technology evolved and sort of rolled out, we realized that we could sort of uh, leverage that archive and our digital platforms to give people access to everything that had aired on on C-SPAN, you know, when they wanted it and where they wanted it across, you know, their computer, their phone, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so from the very sort of start of the archive, I don't know that we saw it um, playing out as it ultimately did, but it's been a great resource for us. Be- because today, can you give us just a, a waterfront view of the various screens and or platforms through which I might consume a piece of C-SPAN content? Oh, absolutely. So people can consume C-SPAN content, you know, I would say first and foremost on C-SPAN.org in terms of that's uh, where I would, the the mothership of our digital platforms in terms of the scope and the breadth of content and metadata, but you can also download the free C-SPAN radio app. You know, you can do that um, on our website or at Google Play or iTunes. You can listen to C-SPAN programming, podcast, our radio stream on smart speakers and home assistants. Uh, and lastly, you can see our, our programming in various places across our social media platforms as well. And I, I'm maybe begging the obvious, but why? Why involve yourself in these alternative means of expression? It takes some expense and some effort. So what are you, what are you doing here, Richard? Well, it's a great question, and it's all about access to your government. And that is what sets us apart in many ways from so many other people. You know, People, as you well know, Stuart, can access news and information in more and more places every day. But what sets up, what distinguishes C-SPAN is that we have over 240,000 hours of political programming and that it's very important for us to be in all these places. So whether you're in your car, in your home, in your office, in the gym, is if you are interested in what's happening in Washington and you want to see the hearing or you want to see the White House briefing, or anything related to politics or books or history that you can turn to our digital platforms and access that programming right away when you want it, where you want it. Do you believe or theorize that the experience of watching, let's say, an hour-long congressional hearing or a public policy debate, is the experience from the viewer different depending on what sort of screen or avenue you're approaching it from? Or do you think we sort of just immerse at some point into 
what's in front of us and there isn't that much of an impact of the medium? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that as compared to some other things, if I were sitting and if we were talking about the Super Bowl or I was watching a program, a train trip through the Rocky Mountains, let's say, then I would tell you that the medium that I was watching that programming on is very important to me. Okay. I think when for C-SPAN, listening to your government in action, sort of some people describe it as democracy in the raw, is that it's not as important where I am as much as it is that I can hear or see that information, no matter what it is mm -hmm. or that I'm, I'm watching that information on. So that we see a lot of people that watch hearings when they're in at work on their desktop and on the weekends, if the House or the Senate is in and there's a key floor debate, we notice that people are watching on their phones quite, quite a bit. I don't think that the medium is as important to C-SPAN as long as we're in all those key places so okay. that people can, can get to it. I love the idea of, of democracy in the raw. What's on your horizon in terms of, uh, do we get the virtual reality version of C-SPAN next quarter? Or what, what are you kind of looking at, uh, <laughs> at no, embracing from a technology standpoint? Yeah, uh, we, we have actually offered sometimes uh, 360 uh, feeds of specific events. But really for innovation is so important to our network in terms of our future and our planning. And we are always looking at ways that we can recognize how people access our information for that user experience. And mm -hmm. people don't always have three or four hours to watch a hearing. So we are always going to provide that entire hearing. But in terms of innovation, we're constantly challenging ourselves and thinking about how we can also complement that long-form programming so that whether it's in clips or little snippets or new ways because of those new technologies, we can make it more digestible for people. That's a great alternative if you don't have the three hours and you mm -hmm. can come back, perhaps watch it at night. Right. So I, again, it's sort of, uh, if you will, following or going where the market is, being present wherever people want to consume C-SPAN. Is that a fair way to look at it? It is very much delivery of our content in the right places to where people want it is very important to us. I mean, one of the very great things that the cable industry has done in supporting this network is, as we're taping this just a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. President George Herbert Walker Bush passed away. You know, if you turn to C-SPAN, you would have seen uh, amongst the 17 events that we live streamed related to the nation honoring President Bush, mm -hmm. you would have seen 36 hours of his body lying in state in the U.S. Capitol. Probably, Stuart, there are many people who would say, why in the world would you want to do that? Mm -hmm. For us, that's very important, being the network of record, so that people can come back and see things such as that. Um, we do things like that because we have the luxury to do things like that. You wouldn't have seen that on our television platforms, but on our digital platforms, you do because it's a nice complement to our core programming. And it's so it's so unique in a sea of, of what I've described earlier as shrill Shrill Media Information. Richard, thank you for, A, the good work you do and taking some time to uh, tell us where C-SPAN is going in this uh, evolving media mix. It was a pleasure talking with you, Stuart. We're continuing our C-SPAN conversation today with Marty Dominguez, who is Vice President of Marketing for C-SPAN. And Vice President of Marketing for C-SPAN means a lot of things, but it also means you get to spend a lot of time, uh, I think, looking at roadmaps and conceiving travel patterns for uh, the C-SPAN bus and various other branded vehicles for C-SPAN. Marty, what is this? Can you take us on a tour of the bus? What is it? I sure can. Um, this is a, a, a labor of love on our side here. Uh, the C-SPAN bus for us is, a, first of all, it's a program that's been underway for, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. Wow. And what it really means is, you know, taking 
original ad money that was for other ways of promoting and really putting us into communities. So what we do with the bus is a, it's a terrific, unique thing where we get to uh, bring C-SPAN into communities and talk to, you know, educators and teachers and the community overall. And they, we bring in this giant 45-foot state-of-the-art uh, customized motor vehicle, and it has uh, all kinds of ways to uh, interact and engage uh, our visitors. Um, always when we come to a community, we're there in partnership with our cable operators, and we uh, bring, you know, we we, before we even go into the market, we contact with our cable operators and decide what makes sense in this market to come to. But a lot of our time we spend going to schools, colleges, and talking to students and uh, a younger audience about what C-SPAN is. So when you get on the bus, um, the first thing you'll notice is that it's uh, kind of a high-tech bus, lots of lights and mm -hmm. uh, lots of uh, visual things. Uh, we have a large, uh, 11 large screen tablets that um, kind of let people explore on their own um, all the different C-SPAN channels we have, all the resources we have, our websites, our enormous archive of video. So they can see that C-SPAN is, um, although we do have these great television networks, we have lots of other ways that people can also interact with our product. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's cool. They It opens a lot of eyes. People weren't, are usually aware um, of all the other ways that can connect with C-SPAN. Um, beyond these 11 tablets, you go to the back, you see the back of the bus and there's kind of a little cl like classroom area. It's a smart TV that we set up um, and have a nice little couch area around there. And we get to host, uh, whether it be, you know, a group of, you know, 10 teachers to talk about how to teach with class uh, C-SPAN classroom or how it's students. And we show them some of the resources and have a, a more um, engaged discussion with them um, about how they can use C-SPAN. Uh, we also have got some fun items. Uh, one item is we have a, a 360 degree video station that gives visitors kind of a behind the scenes look. So, you know, when you see the the White House press ha press uh, conference, we get to show you like what's how packed is that room? What does it really look like to be in that room? Cool. Um, and as well as some of C-SPAN's other um, programming that we shoot in 360. And the the last fun item we have is that it's a DC themed selfie station. <laughs> so people get to come up and take their picture, you know, holding a C-SPAN mic in front of the White House and share that with their friends on social media. I, I, um, Marty, I, I have to interject. I think it's really interesting that even though you have a lot of media and digital creations and technology in the bus, the bus itself is a very, if I, if I can say, analog method of uh, expressing and branding and communicating you could, as as a marketing person, put your money into uh, traditional digital media channels if you wanted to. What is it about the bus that's the unique or particularly fitting with the C-SPAN brand? Well, I'll say that um, it, it's certainly for us a um, showing people hands-on and getting to really uh, interact with people is invaluable. Mm -hmm. um, we certainly do traditional needs and we do, you know, you know, we're on digital ad space and all that stuff as well, but getting that one-on-one, -on -one, uh, connection with people in the community, with students, with elected officials, it's all really exciting. And, um, I think it, it leaves a bigger footprint, a bigger impact. Right. That, and then similarly, if I can segue, tell us about the city's tour and how that helps to, uh, kind of further that, that same ambition for you guys. 
Well, the city's tour, much like our bus, is always a partnership with our cable operators when we go into each market. And in uh, it's, it's a program that's been around for about eight years, and it goes to about 24 different markets per year. We have three vehicles. Uh, actually, we have two sets of three vehicles. One kind of does East Coast, one kind of does West Coast. Okay. And the main goal with this is to actually get... Um, really diverse programming from across the country back on to, on air at C-SPAN. So what we do is we cover authors for book TV on C-SPAN 2, mm-hmm. and we cover local history for American History TV on C-SPAN 3. And we know that each of these communities have, you know, a, a great local story to tell. And we are, you know, our goal is to tell that story. And also while we're there, you know, get into some classrooms and talk to people about what it is that we're out here doing and, you know, work with the cable operator to make sure that the, the presence is known and mm-hmm. um, that we go back and promote it later. You've mentioned a couple of times or, or alluded to the partnerships with, with cable companies and yes. uh, what there's this localism factor, I guess, to, to the cable industry at large that you're, you're sort of riding the top. Why are the, why, why is the partnership approach important? Well, it's, it's super important because, you know, C-SPAN is, uh, not only created by the the cable industry, but it's hugely funded by the cable industry. And for us, that is, um, you know, we exist uh, because of the cable industry. So Mm -hmm. giving that credit back to the cable operator and letting them know, uh, the community know that we're, you know, we're operating and we're brought to you today by, you know, the the local cable partner. It's incredibly important. Um, As you conduct a, a very busy marketing uh, program throughout the year. Do you keep your eye on, you know, what's next or are you looking out for other ideas that you might bring to bear? And how do you, how do you make time to think about ideas and innovation when you're running a very busy uh, marketing operation? Uh, well, we definitely have to look down the line. I mean, we're already mm-hmm. starting to look at uh, election and, you know, uh, we'll rewrap our bus for election coverage. Where do we want to be? You know, what markets we're going to be and make sure that we're, you know, keeping current with the times and thinking about how people are consuming um, their media today and making sure that we're, we're going to be present for that. I appreciate uh, it's It's fun. I feel like we sort of have a behind the scenes insider perspective on how C-SPAN actually works in terms of a, a public exposure and branding uh, standpoint. So Marty, thank you so much for taking some time to, to shed some light on what, uh, what you guys are up to. Thanks so much. That was uh, great talking to you. Cool. That wraps up our conversation with C-SPAN. Appreciate everybody who contributed. We've gotten a really good behind-the-scenes view of the operations of uh, a vital television network and hope you've enjoyed learning along with us for the Cable Center's Stories from the Head End podcast. This is Stuart Schley. You've been listening to Cable's Gift to Democracy, part of the Cable Center's podcast series, Stories from the Head End. For the Cable Center, I'm Diane Christman. The Cable Center is a nonprofit industry organization that connects people and ideas to advance innovation. Today's podcast was produced by the Cable Center and made possible through generous underwriting provided by the Cable TV pioneers. Supervising producer and writer is Leela Kakoris. Please join us again soon. <laughs>